This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 538 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April April 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? I feel like after yesterday, we should just have some sort of brawl in the podcast. <laughs> okay, well, throw inside on me, dog. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then I'm going to throw my glove at you as you charge me. I will, me. Uh, leaping like ninja, ninja my way through the air to avoid it the way Nolan Arenado did. Um, <laughs> I, I liked his little jump move there. I thought that was thought that was sharp. Yeah, it was weird. It was brawl day, obviously. You know, two big brawls, one in uh, Colorado, one in Boston. It, you know, It's weird when two happen in, in one day. It's like, well, what's in the air? But uh, they, they were spurred by different things. A little bit of a, uh, you know, not beanball war, but there was definitely some kind of payback um, between Padres versus Rockies there. Manny Margot actually gets hurt on his hit by pitch. He's, he's out he's on the DL, and we're going to talk about him in a moment. Um, and that's what, you know, encouraged Luis Perdomo to throw behind Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado wasn't having any of that BS. So he went out there and tried to uh, do something about it. And, Perdomo didn't want any of that, and I don't really blame him because uh, uh, Nolan Arenado is no punk. So he comes running at me. I mean, you know, I think we forget sometimes on some of these guys and, and many of these guys that they're like basically football players that mm-hmm. the way they're built uh, because we obviously don't think of them in that context. And so you know, he comes charging out there, ready to go six two two ten. You know, he don't want none of that. But uh, I was surprised Perdomo did. You know, he threw the glove, which a lot of guys do. But he's six two one ninety. Like, you're gonna throw behind somebody? Get ready, dog. I don't know. Yeah, I, no, not, I, I like the Joe Kelly reaction where Joe Kelly plunked. Uh, was it Tyler Austin? Yeah, and the, like he, he just no. he just like let's go, let's do let's this, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. That's the thing, man. If you like, if you're gonna chuck the ball at somebody. Then I I don't think that you can be doing the old backpedal. I do no, think you look you, like you gotta, a bit of a punk at that point. Like, let's be honest. Like, I I don't really like this stuff to begin. Same. I, like, I I like the brawls. Like, I'm cool with that portion of it. I don't like the throwing at people. When you're throwing exactly. 95 miles an hour and you can legitimately kill someone if it hits the wrong spot, like that to me, like that whole part of baseball, I'm over. Like, I I don't want to see anybody get hurt. 
Exactly. And and potentially severely injured, something that can greatly impact their life. And obviously that doesn't happen a lot, guys. We're not saying that that's the highest possibility scenario, but it's but it's a relatively high probability when you think about it. Mm-hmm. When you really think about, okay, I'm going to throw this at somebody and I have kind of a range of where I could go. They're not as good on pinpoint command as as sometimes people want to pretend. So I'm I'm with you there. But when when it is going to happen and it's never it's probably never going to be fully outlawed. If you're going to chuck a, a ball at somebody at 95, step in, dog. See what's up. Okay. I mean, obviously it's Luis Perdomo, so I mean, <laughs> he can't find the zone to begin with. So we're not like super worried. True. Like him aiming at Arenado, guaranteed he wouldn't hit him. He would have thrown a strike. Yeah. Like, right down the pipe. He's like, oh, I was trying to hit him. Okay, well, at least it's 0-1. Should I keep going in the at-bat? No, I'll try to hit him again. Which would have been great if Arenado just took him deep. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> was that trying to hit me? <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, well, it's 4 nothing. Super high spin rate right down the middle. <laughs> and then the Tyler Austin one I thought was totally different. Uh, I was actually on the side of the Red Sox and Kelly because I thought the slide, you know, it was one of those things where I'm I'm a little bit fence straddling because I know it's it's kind of still accepted within the baseball culture that you can kind of go in hard like that, but it's accepted because the idea is that you'll probably get yours back. So if you're going to go in sliding hard, tough guy, and li- whip out your leg, which he 100% did, do not try to play cool, Tyler Austin, uh, because he's a hardo too. You can look at him; he he is total douchebag but uh so he goes in hard puts the slide brock holt didn't like it they they jab and um joe kelly decides to take it into his own hand and and plunks him and i think you shut your mouth and you go walk down to first on that one he ran out there i think he was totally in the wrong tyler austin there what do you think on that one i think he's in the wrong because he leaves the spikes up exactly yeah i mean you don't leave you don't yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with sliding hard, but like you don't, no, no, but, you don't but, like lift the leg, the leg up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just you just can damage someone's career like that. You know, like if you barrel in. That's one thing, and, it, and your legs were down, but you guys happened to collide. That's one thing, and I think even teams understand that. And and the the players know more than the fans and the analysts. Uh, and they, like I said, that's why they accept stuff a little bit more. So you can have a hard slide, but he put his leg up. It was mm-hmm. very clear. That he was trying to trying to clip him there, and he went out of out of bounds. And Joe Kelly was not having that. So respect to Joe Kelly out there, you know, protecting this guy again. We're not uh, too high on on throwing at guys, but but in the context of what we dealt with there, I thought he, you know, and if you are going to hit somebody, you, you go low, try to hit him in the in the butt or something like that. Uh, I know it's hard making rules for, for hitting somebody, especially when we're not really for it. But I, I thought everything was handled properly there for Kelly to just say, hey, take your medicine now and, and, and go down first. Uh, you, heck, you get a base from it. Uh, but no, you had to go out there, be tough guy, and, 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 and try to scrap. And Kelly Kelly was like, let's go. I'm ready, man. I feel and like you should be, only be able to throw at people in the in the NL. Like, in the American Gotta League, yeah, because yeah. you never have to stand in the box. And not that yep. pitchers are necessarily going to ever really throw at each other. But, like, to me, like, you know, this should have been decided right after Austin did it. The dugout's clear then. That's when the brawl should have happened. Yes, not, if you're going to do it. Yeah, like... Like Brock Holt, like don't just yell at some dude for doing it. Like if you're if you want someone to retaliate for you, you should be able to you know take your shot. Then I, you know, I, and I'm not a pro violence kind of guy, and I, I've railed about this stuff in the past. But like 
I don't know. It's just it's just so dangerous. Like all it takes is a guy losing command on one pitch and it's going to go in the back of someone's head and well, no one wants to see that. And they just make too much money. Mm-hmm. I mean they, they they just make entirely too that's the thing too. These guys, you know, it's different than back then when they were working winter jobs and and all that sort of stuff. Like the investments are too high. That stuff is just not necessary as part of the game i'm not sure it ever was necessary but it just it just doesn't really make sense as a huge part of the game i did like uh joe kelly saying well you know i walk a batter per inning so stuff happens sorry like that's kind of his defense <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny because yeah he does have four walks and four innings. actually fours are wild for him he's thrown four and two-thirds four hits four runs four walks four strikeouts four eyes because he wears glasses get it got him <laughs> shouldn't have laughed at yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I prefer the uh, the Yankees Red Sox uh, one over the Padres Rockies one, only because I only have a one share of Arenado. I have no shares of the other guy. Well, actually, I have shares of Perdomo. <laughs> I'm in really deep formats. Um, You're done. So yeah, like I, I, I'm to you know Tyler Austin and Joe Kelly want to go back at it, you know, another five or six times during the season. I'm totally cool with that because um, neither are on my fantasy team. Yeah, they're not really uh, they're not really changing the landscape of things. All right, let's get uh, let's get deeper in here and talk about some injuries. Uh, maybe put out some replacements. Kind of do a small, medium, large league replacements here. So we're running the game the gamut here and obviously you can kind of apply it to your specifically let's start with elvis andrus we'll get to manny marco again here in a moment but elvis andrus i think is the is the big one fractured elbow on a hit by pitch which might have been a little bit of another sort of uh beanball war sort of thing because i know trout was hit i wasn't watching that game so i don't know all the specifics i'm not sure you know again keenan middleton has a similar defense to uh uh, Joe Kelly to say like, hey, I don't have the most command in the world, it, and it, I was, I don't think it didn't look outwardly like he was throwing at him, but he throws inside on um, Elvis Andrews, who kind of does that reflex where you actually turn into the pitch to try to like, you know, it's just that weird reaction and, and put his elbow right there and boom, fractured it. So he's going to be out a while. We haven't been able to find a timetable right now as of uh, early Thursday afternoon, but I got to imagine we're looking at a you know, I would say six to eight weeks. That's just a guess. That's just a guess right now. But uh, it's going to be a while, and that's a big bummer. Obviously, for that for that ball club, big fantasy hit for sure. So um, Elvis Andrews injury. What did you think when you saw it? Uh, it's it's really sad to see a guy go down in a heap like that. Like you know, I mean, same thing with like the Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, oh my goodness, that was scary. Uh, but just, hey. What a stud gets up, walks off on his own power. Good for and him. And he's gonna pitch in his next start. Yep. Like that's like that that that's right up there with uh, uh, Brendan McCarthy dislocating his shoulder and like and the, like going back out there to throw another pitch. Popping it back in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, listen, that's that's country strong right there on um, on Jordan Zimmerman. He was you know he he got up. He was basically mad at the ball, mad that he wasn't gonna pitch for the rest of the day. He's like. Damn it, I'd love to get back in there, but he's going to be out. Uh, bruised jaw, I guess, and, and supposed to pitch in his next outing. So, yeah, you know, you hate seeing guys get hurt like this. And and Andrews, I think, knew right away that, that it was bad. He looked in severe pain. And, you know, I think sometimes it's mostly tongue-in-cheek, but you see a late-inning situation where the game's tight, and the guy pitches inside, and the guy gets out of the way from it. And, you know, if it's your team and you're like, lean into it, we need you on first base. It's like, okay, 
you you freaking lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so easy to say when it's not you. And obviously this is this is an extreme end, but this is what can happen when you're getting hit by a pitch. You can have serious injury. That's why you can't just always lean into it and get on first base. You don't want um, your stars leading into it. Like FP Santangelo used to like lean into pitches all the time. I want to say like he led Major League Baseball and hit by pitches for like three straight <laughs> seasons or something like that. And he wasn't even a full time player. Um, but that's like hilarious. you don't want you don't want your starting shortstop that's coming off a career year leaning into pitches. You you want you want him getting the hell out of the way. Yeah, and obviously, you know, he was not trying to lean into it by any stretch. He was having another great solid start, by the way. 327, 426, 500 with a couple homers, three doubles. So he's going to be a tough replacement. Uh, no steals yet, and he's, he's been a 20-plus guy throughout his entire career. He was 0-for-1. I'm not really worried about that if, you know, those stolen bases are going to come. So let's talk about some replacements internally. You know, with both middle infielders out right now, Jerks and Profar is definitely somebody who's going to get an extended look, right? Coming into the year, it's like, well, where is he going to play? And this stuff always plays itself out. And uh, this is playing itself out in the worst way possible for Texas, let's be honest. Uh, But he's going to get an extended look. He is just 25. He's done nothing at the majors, right? You know, he's a big-time prospect. Injuries have ravaged Jerks and Profar's career. We don't really have anything to glom onto in the majors. So far this year, the one thing that he has is seven walks in 31 plate appearances. For a 355 on base, but do you think with an extended playing time situation here for Jerickson Profar that we could finally see something, you know, in the vein of the prospect pedigree? Obviously, not to the heights of it. No, uh, not not a fan. Okay, I just I don't. I mean, the only nice thing is he has been able to at least play shortstop for one plate appearance this season, so maybe he can actually throw across the diamond. And he's played third, I guess, a couple times too. So yeah, uh, there he hasn't done anything. Like I, I, he not only hasn't done anything in. Well, I guess he was decent in Triple A last year. Seven home runs, five stolen bases, two eighty seven, three eighty three, four twenty eight triple slash. Um, More walks than strikeouts. Yeah, uh, I still don't. I mean, ale only. Yeah, I'm, I'm scooping him up because you need to. Shoot, uh, I think he was already. Already on a team, though. Yeah, probably. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't believe it. You know, I mean, we we've seen him in you know short stretches at the major leagues in 2017 and 2016 um, and 2013 for that matter. Um, he's never been able to do anything at the majors. I don't have much faith that one. The Rangers even want him playing full time, but. You know, they have no choice. Yeah, now. they're going to be forced to now. They they pulled up some guy from Round Rock who I can't even pronounce his name. Oh, the Isaiah guy. Yeah, that's yes. And then uh, like a hyphenated last name. Hang on, I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. I saw him too. I was like, who the freak is that? He, he, he supposedly profiles as just like a defensive specialist. Ugh, so, great. Like, Isaiah no... Kiner Falefa. Yeah, exactly. Gazuntite. Um, <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they they don't you know. They don't have much, even even you know a a prospect of thinking not not an actual prospect, but the prospects of maybe putting Lionel DeShields back at second base isn't available to them because he's on the DL. So well, and getting, Willie Calhoun uh, for some reason they like they do not want to bring him up. Like Calhoun played second. That's true. Like his day is May eighth. 
like a, almost a full month still in terms of the day to mm-hmm. where you get another year. Somebody did the math. I think it was Scott Lucas, whose tweet I saw when he originally got sent down. Uh, he did the math and said that that's kind of his day. And they're four and ten. So does getting, you know, three weeks from Calhoun really change that? And do they really care about this season that much to begin with, considering the rotation and that's bullpen they put together? Sweet starting rotation. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a lost season for them. So let's look externally then for Elvis Andrews replacements. And again, we're, we're running the gamut here. This is not for everybody. Uh, in, in a t- Not all these guys are for each league, right? So we're going to start from the shallower end, move on to the deeper end. As Drupal Cabrera, Marcus Simeon, Cesar Hernandez, and Nico Goodrum, obviously in 10-teamer. Not picking up Nico Goodrum, uh, but you can kind of go, you know, uh, r- run the gamut there. I was looking at uh, roster rates. Uh, these guys, the first three guys, Cabrera, Semyon, and Hernandez, were pretty widely available in in an ESPN league or in ESPN leagues. And then Goodrum would be the the deeper league replacement. Uh, I know we're both Semyon fans, so we would we would co-sign on that. If he wasn't available, would you go with Ezdrubal Cabrera or Cesar Hernandez? You got to go with Hernandez, right? I mean. Uh, trying to replicate the speed, right? Yeah, I mean the, the speed. Even if you're not trying to replicate it, even if you're trying to go swipe, uh, you know, drown the pool from someone, uh, just the profile is much more exciting than you know Cabrera, who's in the twilight of his career, uh, has had injury issues in the past. We don't know, you know, if the playing time is going to be super concrete. Uh, with the Mets because they, for some reason, loaded up on mediocre talent in the infield. <laughs> so, like, uh, there are going to be weeks where he probably plays five times, and there are going to be weeks where he doesn't. So, uh, I will say they, they've, you know, they he's put up some pretty good seasons back to back here. Two eighty average the last two years, twenty three, and then just fourteen homers last year. So the homers fell off a little bit for Esdrubal. You know, you could do worse, but I, I agree with you on Cesar. I just want to give a little bit extra love. To Cabrera, he's not terrible, but Cesar and Semyon, if you're really because you're trying to get those steals, Semyon's that nice power speed combo uh, actually can kind of replicate uh, w- what Andrews does outside of the batting average. So I definitely like him. Uh, Nico Goodrum, deep league option, playing for the Tigers, already has three stolen bases. I was talking about it the other day, I think here or on on um, Sirius. I'm not I'm not entirely sure where I was saying. I didn't know the Tigers had this guy. I didn't know who the heck this guy I've never, was. I've never heard of this guy. Like no, I legit no. outside of the slide that he did the other day, that was like the first time I had ever come across Nico Goodrum. And I, I keep track of minor league players. And I play I deep dynasty leagues. Literally discovered him via MLB the show. Looking at the Tigers <laughs> roster because you have to collect like every player on a team to get a card or whatever. And I was, you know, getting all the Tigers right off the top and I was like, Who the heck is Nico Goodrum? Uh, yeah, I didn't even say his name properly, and I was like, "Oh, Nico Goodrum, cool." But it's he's a playing. Sick name. It, it's a dope name. You know what's even better is if he was using his first name, which is Cartier. Oh, Cartier Nico Goodrum, what a name! Well, I'm spending ten percent of my fat man ale only just to I'm go get him. Fifteen percent now. Now, I, uh, again, ale only play for some cheap speed. He's not hitting. He's in two seventeen, two eighty three, three ninety one. Like he's not a good hitter. I've uh, never really shown anything in the minors to make you believe that there's hitting on the way, but he can run. 
So, uh, and he's going to get playing time on this Tigers team because he can play everywhere. He's a, a super utility sort of guy. So you AL only, folks, obviously, when you lose a guy like Elvis Andrus, it's a big hit, and you're not going to have great options. I'll say Nico Goodrum, understanding that, uh, it, you know, it's not great. All right, let's talk about two outfielders that got hurt. Again, I already mentioned Manny Margot. Bruised ribs from the, the hit by pitch puts him on the DL. And Adam Eaton, that's weird that he got hurt. He's always so healthy. Had an ankle injury that puts him on the DL. Obviously, I'm pairing these two together because they, you know, they're similar sort of output. Speed first guys with a little pop. And um, I think both were doing pretty well this year. I know Eaton was out of his Margo, mind. Margot was struggling. Okay, so he was off to yeah, he's off to a slow start. One fifty nine, uh, two forty five, two fifty. I hadn't really looked at the batted ball profile to see if it was major concerns or not. But one homer, two stolen bases. Losing both is tough for sure. Um, who's the bigger loss, Margot or Eaton long term? Obviously, right now it's Eaton because he's been better. But but long term, who did you like better? I mean, I liked Margot better because I really felt like he had an opportunity to steal like 30 to 40 bases. I agree. Um, and I still like him better long-term because, don't get me wrong, bruise ribs suck, and uh, but they weren't broken, which is a huge deal because broken and ribs... And surprising. Can, yes. The way he went down and the fact they had to take him to the hospital, uh, you had to think that those were broken. You were going to lose him for a month or two. Agreed. This sounds like it's only going to be a couple of weeks. Uh, it may even just be a minimum stay on the DL. So uh, I still like Margot. Um, there's going to be struggles with the average at times. Uh, he's still kind of maturing uh, as a hitter. But the speed is going to carry him, and the defense will keep him in the lineup. So. Nope, I, I, I agree across the board there. Eaton, again, was off to an amazing start, looking really sharp, gets hurt again. That's a bummer. Let's talk about replacements here in the outfield. Uh, Shinsu Chu, been been out of his mind, uh, quietly hitting really well. We talked about Texas having things go wrong for them. He's been hitting well. Michael Taylor, Bradley Zimmer, and Derek Fisher, again, you know, kind of running the spectrum from, from shower league to deeper league. Uh, Taylor, Zimmer, and Fisher focused a little bit more on the speed aspect, whereas Chu just one of the better widely available hitters out there right now. Um, so if you're trying to replace a Margot or Eaton, are you instantly looking for the speed Would you to the point where you would bypass a Chu who has three homers, uh, a solid 830 OPS so far, you know, went 22 and 12 last year with the homers and stolen bases? Yes, he's 35, but, you know, quietly been hitting well now. Uh, ever since, you know, any, even his bad year in 2016, because it was only 48 games, it was injury riddled. He still was a 99 OPS plus. He was still basically league average. But uh, are are you eschewing somebody like Chu to focus on the speed assets of Taylor Zimmer or Fisher, or would you take Chu if 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 he was the best option? I think it depends on your league construct and kind of team construct. Uh, the more shallow a league, the more likely I'm going to go after a guy like Chu uh, because I, I I worry about him in a deeper format because I don't know how long he'll stay on the field for. You know, okay. health has been a real issue with him. Uh, but when he's healthy, he's great. And, like, you know, he's three home runs already, a stolen base. He's playing every day. Uh, that Texas lineup, though, has just taken some big hits. Is you know, well, I guess it's not very good anymore. God, God, they they really those two injuries to ravaged, dude. To so maybe he's not in that great of lineup, but he's leading off. Um, the, and the 
playing time is guaranteed and he's at the top of the lineup. So like that mm-hmm. that is a positive for Chu there. You know, they still have some good components with Beltre Mazzara, but it is depleted. Yeah. And but it is depleted. Yeah, so maybe it's not as nice of a lineup. Uh I I wasn't a big believer in Michael A. Taylor to begin with. Um and he so far is looking like the Michael Taylor of old. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the one we saw, you know, hit nineteen home runs and seventeen stolen bases with a two seventy uh average last year. So uh I He's running, but at a cost. Four stolen bases mm-hmm. But a three eighty six OPS for Michael A. Taylor. And I mean the only reason I think he is even viable right now is because not only did Eaton get hurt, but Victor Robles uh mm. messed up his elbow and we'll have to wait for more information. They said it's just just a hyperextension right now, but it was so swollen they couldn't actually get a good MRI on it. Um so Ouch. it may actually be worse news than just the hyperextension coming down the pike. Um I think if if those guys were both healthy, he wouldn't be playing at all. So, uh, opportunity is there for Taylor. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with Zimmer as my guy. That I'm gonna if I'm if I'm looking for the speed. Um, I know he's struggling with the batting average, but he still you know hits home runs. He's still stealing bases. The defense again is elite in center field. They need that with the guys playing on the corners. Uh, in Cleveland, so I think he'll continue to play even when he's struggling. So Zimmer's the guy I want. Okay. Fisher, I just worry about long-term playing time because once Kyle Tucker's uh, you know clock can get started, I think he's well, coming up. And once Gurriel's back, you could put Mar- Marwin Gonzalez out there, so there's a lot of uh, situations there. Uh, the internal options for each, Manny Margot, you're looking at Franchi Cordero, Adam Eaton, it's Brian Goodwin. Uh, between those two, if who do you like better? I'm intrigued by Brian Goodwin. Um, I know a lot of people are picking up Franchi right now, but that lineup is not very good uh, in San Diego. I don't know that I'm a huge believer in him, but I think uh, Goodwin, if he could get some playing time, I mean, he's shown some pop and in, in speed in the minor leagues before at a 15-15 season. Uh, in 2016 in AAA. He, he went 13-6 and six last year in 74 yeah. games. Oh, yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's... Uh, and like like I said, like, there's a lot of injuries going on in, in with the Nationals. Um, and it's not like uh, it's a bad lineup. It's a, it's a fantastic lineup. So, even if he hits towards the bottom of it, he's going to get a lot of RBI chances. So, I think Goodwin's the guy I would roll with. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I, I've liked Brian Goodwin since seeing him back at the Arizona Fall League ages ago. I think that was 2013. He's been twice, but the first time I saw him was when I got super hyped and was like, oh, dude, yeah, this guy's going to be a stud. Obviously, he did not take that trajectory. Uh, yeah, back in 2013, um, I remember like he hit a triple and a homer in the two games we saw, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. <laughs> not so awesome. Um and, you know, he's kind of meandered around, hasn't really found great playing time. He's 27, so it's unlikely to see, like, some colossal breakout. But I do like him, and I think I might even favor him most of this entire – well, he's for more of the shallower. If you're in the 10-team mixed, you might be looking at elsewhere anyway. But uh, I do like Brian Goodwin, and I would rate, rate him pretty highly among this entire uh, six-outfielder group here of Chu, Taylor, Zimmer, Fisher, Cordero, and Goodwin. 
I would rate Goodwin. I would zero in on him. I like Zimmer as well. I know you're a big Zimmer guy. Um, I like him for a lot of the reasons you do that defense. First off, their outfield sucks. So he's going to get time to play through. Like, they're, who are they going to go to? Tyler Naquin? Come on. Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing here? And, and Chisinau's back in the deal anyway. So Goodwin. Naquin has to play and Zimmerman has to play. Um, and Brantley's playing, but. You know, hasn't really gotten going and and is always a health risk. Zimmer's going to have playing time. He's going to get a real leash here to figure it out. He is hitting 188, but um, if he starts turning around in relatively short order, then then his playing time will be guaranteed. I don't think you could be hitting 188 into mid-May, but I think you can get a full month uh, of of work to really kind of figure some things out for Bradley Zimmer. So I, I like him as well. Good call there. All right, let's move on to Anthony Rizzo. His back sends him to the DL. And the internal options are Ben Zobrist and Victor Caratini. Uh, definitely, definitely, like, NL only. Only? Sorry, that's confusing. <laughs> but uh, only really looking at them in an NL only where you're turning over every rock. In fact, I doubt Zobrist is even available in NL only just because he's hitting all right. And, uh, you know, those steady Eddie, those those veterans, when you get late in an NL only auction for sure, uh, I, they always go because it's just you're looking for an oasis of a name that you even know late in an auction, and someone always ends up with like a $2 Ben Zobra. So he's probably owned. And then the thing of it is Victor Caratini is catcher eligible, yeah. so he could also already be on a roster. So you know they might not even be available in the league where you would really want them, NL only. So let's look a little bit more globally. I, actually, I'll get your thoughts there. Rizzo to the DL, yeah. Zobra's Caratini taking it over. What do you think about the Cubs situation now? Um, uh, man, I don't like, I mean, this sucks for, you know, it's a back issue, um, which Rizzo's dealt with in the past, but it's never, I don't think it's ever DL'd him before. So I don't think so either. Isn't uh, this his, I think it's first his first DL? ever DL stint, which is crazy. And he's a, cause he's a hit by pitch. God, like mm-hmm. he, he lives on the plate. So he was already leading the league with three this year, 24 led baseball last year, 16 took a year off in 2016 with just 16, 30 in 2015. You get the point. So, um, but always plays, always out there. Might have had a DL spot when he only played 140 games in 2014. I can't remember, but it was 160, 140, 160. So maybe there was a DL stint there. But to your point, backs always, always worry somebody because they can linger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I felt like Rizzo was a really good kind of bargain coming into this season like I felt like he wasn't getting enough respect and he was getting pushed down towards kind of the middle back end of the second round for no apparent reason just because the top two rounds were so thick with talent uh this makes the Cubs lineup uh not not seem very strong when you got Ben Zobris as your number three hitter (laughs) well especially with like everybody but Bryant and Contreras well and um Baez after here's the thing though by the way, this is just kind of a an announcement on uh, the global thing of calling somebody, saying somebody has a hot start or a slow start. Coming into Wednesday's game, wait, was no, no, t- the tenth was Tuesday, right? Yeah, coming into Tuesday's game, Javier Baez had a one forty eight, three twenty four, three thirty three. He pops two homers. On Wednesday, he pops two more homers. So four homers. He's four for eight in his last two games with four homers. All of a sudden, he's at 229, 372, mm-hmm. 714. Like, it can flip on a dime. So that's why you and I and, and you know, other, other people who I think are doing it, what I would say the right way is don't get hung up on the, on the rate stats and, and the triple slash and all that. 
check out the skills. Mm-hmm. Where's the strikeout and walk ratio? What's the batted ball profile? What's the plate discipline profile? Because that's all you're really get, that's where you're going to get info right now. Just saying he's off to a slow start, he's hitting 118 and then he goes 4 for 5 and 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 2 for 4 the next day and all of a sudden he's hitting 247 and you and you wouldn't be saying that that was such a slow start at that point because it can still it's April 12th, it can still change on a dime. So just want to get that PSA out there, but the bottom line is that the Cubs lineup has been sputtering a bit, including Rizzo himself. But putting Zobrist in there, would you say at the three spot? That's what roster resource asks for him. <laughs> I mean, he's hitting. In fairness to Zobrist, he's hitting right now, but it works the other way too. A couple of for fours, and all of a sudden, your, your fast start is like your, your mediocrity to the highest highest degree. So. I've always loved Zobris as a player, but I I saw him in the leagues all year and just never pulled the trigger. But I was just like, you know what? I just don't see it. I don't see some sort of renaissance. He doesn't. I don't think he came in with more than he might have had dual eligibility, but I know he didn't have like the triple quadruple eligibility that used to make Zobris so great. He hit twelve homers last year with two stolen bases. Like, what the hell am I going to get there? And yeah, even if I excuse the 232 and put him back at the 272 that he's basically hit for the last five years before that, do I really give a crap about 272.15? No, well, I didn't. And, like, this is like, Zobris is like a great example of why we hate Joe Madden in fantasy because, <laughs> like, he gets played over Javier Baez or gets played over Ian Happ or gets played over. Um, and like and like guys just lose plate appearances because of the double switching and you know yeah. I'm gonna move this guy around the the evil genius stuff is really only evil to our fantasy team um, <laughs> and this is why like like I, I you know I love the skills of a Javier Baez I love the skills of an Ian Hat but I did not invest in these guys this year because I just don't trust that they can get to 600 plate appearances no and and that and that's fair I mean. Bryant and Rizzo are the only two that are guaranteed mm-hmm. for something like that, and Contreras is is guaranteed for a comparable, a comparable level at catcher, which isn't 600, but he's going to be a you know the full time guy there. It does make it tough, uh, but we'll see. Speaking of buys, I already mentioned what he's done in the last two days. Hap, uh, they were they were flashy picks. You were out. Uh, let's include Schwarber there too. Mm-hmm. On those three, just assessing them outside of the playing time. You know, chicanery. How do you feel about those three at this point right now? Baez, Schwarber, and Hap. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way I did about both Baez and Schwarber. I was uh, fine with where Baez was going. I just wasn't going to, you know, buy in um, because of. You weren't uh, going to Baez in? Okay, I'll leave. Yeah. Char- Charlotte's going to co host. I'm out. Uh, I'll I'm, see ya. No, we had a good run, man. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> I meet Charlotte. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, that was so stupid. Go um, ahead. I'm worried about Hap. Hap is the one that is scaring me a little bit. Uh, he and I loved him coming in. I mean, he he's swinging outside of the zone thirty over thirty one percent of the time. His swinging strike rate is up to twenty one point eight percent. Is that bad though? Is twenty like if you swing through twenty two percent? Like, is that really bad? Are you just being a naysayer? Like, he has a 50% strikeout rate. Well, that means he doesn't strike out 50% of the time, Justin. So, like, what do you even say? Half, half gla- or glass is half full, not half yeah. empty. I just, yeah. I'm just not looking at it the correct way. Yeah, you're a naysayer, dog. Like, his 56, 56% contact percentage uh, 
That means he's That's making half, yeah, he's making contact fifty six percent of the time. Holy I guess shit, that's man. uh, I guess that's not too bad. Oh man, yeah, no, I'm, and like he's not necessarily being pitched differently. Like no. he's he's like people are they're they're going after him the exact same way they went after him. He's just struggling, uh, and you wonder how long they can keep him. Not just on top of the lineup, but in the lineup. I mean, at what point do they say maybe you need to go back and work on some things in AAA? Uh, I mean, if he keeps striking out like this, that's the key. He needs to bring that strikeout rate down. He literally is at 50%, uh, Ian Happ is, through 36 plate appearances. And you start to get to a, a you know statistical significance point where it's like, yeah, it's a short sample, but it's so comically bad that uh, you know, it has to be given some, some credence there. So and he's putting you know, the we're ball keeping there fifty three percent of the time. I mean, this is uh, this screams someone who is trying to overcompensate for for a slump, trying so. to hit nine homers every at bat. Yeah, you you and can't they, get a six run home run. So no, you just can't. So I, I would like to see him actually maybe just get like two days off in a row where he lit, where. And by the way. The, <laughs> I I think it was uh, Bogman uh, over at in this league saying like uh, the dude never smiles like Ian Happ <laughs> always looks super super pissed off so I feel you know Joe Madden and if you look at his baseball reference picture that is his countenance all the time it's really funny he looks so pissed in that picture uh, so you know I don't feel I feel bad for Joe Madden having to go tell him like hey we're gonna sit you for two days because he thinks he's gonna get murdered by Happ. But I think I think you just got to go up to him and, and just level and say, "Hey, you're getting a two day break. It's because you're struggling. Get out of your head and chill a little bit." I, you know, I don't know if that's going to work. Some guys got to play through it. Some guys do need that time off. But holy crap, it's they, bad the so question far. is like, do they have like the bodies for that right now? Right now, exactly. I mean, exactly. Do they? They obviously hate Albert Almora. I mean, like, there's yeah. no other excuse for why he isn't playing. No, they. Because his defense is good, and yes, he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's he's more of a lefty killer. But give him some at bats against righties right now, because there's no way it could be worse than what Hap's doing. You know, so give give him some burn. But uh, we'll see how it goes. If as a Hap buyer, I am not uh, I'm not selling off at this point. That that always you know is nonsensical to me. Like stuff's going awry, a hundred percent. But now I'm gonna jump off board. No way! Like it's April 12th. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around because if I cut him, somebody's gonna pick him up, and then and that's when he's gonna go off. So um, it is still just like you know a few good games in a row, and all of a sudden the numbers can be flipped on somebody like a Hap or anybody that's struggling right now. But uh, let me see how many Haps I got. Oh, I simply got him in four leagues, which is. The third highest. I have six is the most, five is next most, and then four of the ten leagues that I have. So he's in forty percent of my my leagues, and that's even hey, higher. Right, right, right up there with his strikeout rate. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. That was good. That was good. Do you know who the, the guys? Okay, I'll give you a clue. It's not the the most obvious guy. Um, Albies is not Albies. It's not Albies with the six. Uh, he's one of the fives, though, that I have. So he's, I definitely put my money where my mouth was. I tried to get him everywhere. Couldn't even get, like, honestly, you should count it five out of nine because he was kept in one league, so I never even had a chance. 
Uh, but I have two guys, a pitcher and a catcher, that I have in six leagues. Luis Castillo. It's actually not. The other guy, the, very much in that vein, the AL, basically my AL version of him. All right. Oh, your AL version of him. Uh, that I was also just hyping up and always taking. Hmm. I don't know if saying the AL version of him like confuses you because he's not like the same. He's not the same youth or anything. Yeah, no, I, just... I know you're getting Richards. Yes, good job. Yeah, and then the the catcher. Mm, catcher. It, well, it's probably not Mike Zanino. It's definitely not Mike Zanino. I think I got a big fat zero on Mike. Is it Grandal? Uh, it's his teammate. Ah, Barnes. Right. And I have three Grandals, uh, including I have them both in. Just one league. I thought it was two different leagues. But yeah, I have them both in one. Barnes, obviously, I, I had a keeper, a uh, couple early drafts where I was big-time jocking him. Then once he you know, wasn't going to get the job and had elbow issues, I started to move toward Grandal. But uh, yeah, those are my most invested. Not that anyone really cares. But anyway, I like Hap. I'm going uh, to stick with him, but I am keeping a close eye because it's been really bad. All right, let's talk about some um, more global first base replacement options for Anthony Rizzo. Got on a little Cubs tangent there. Yonder Alonso, Justin Bohr, Colin Moran, and freaking Adrian Gonzalez out here with his dead cat bounce. Uh, let's focus on the shower league aspect right now. Alonso and Bohr, how do you feel about those two? Do you have a particular preference between them? Um, yeah, I mean, I, my preference is Bohr. I mean, okay. I, I, I liked Alonso coming into this year, but uh, I mean, he's struggling, and again, once again, uh, like he did towards the end of last season, uh, hitting under 200, uh, fly ball rate still kind of in the same spot as it was last year, and I just felt like he, he while the the launch angle change was really good in the first half, I felt like he went Ryan Schimpfian a little bit in the second half. Absolutely, and um, that's a, that's a good comp. I, th- I think even Eno made that comp. I don't know. You don't know who this guy is, Eno. Never uh, heard you, of him. You used to have your job, um, and then you 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 swiped it from him. <laughs> uh, no, but I think he made the same comp, saying that Alonso just like went too far with it and just went 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 crazy on it, and you know couldn't really get the results because you're just putting the ball in the air to put the ball in the air. It wasn't like really quality contact. I will say this: he and Bohr basically having similar starts where the uh, triple slash is weak. They have two homers. Uh, the one thing I do like about Alonzo, 21% strikeout, 14% walk. You know, it's a solid strikeout-to-walk ratio. I think I would actually lean toward him based on the lineup. I have the two very close. I like Justin Bohr. He's a good hitter. Uh, the sneak tip thing about Justin Bohr is he's a 269 career hitter. Nice. Nice, yeah. Um, and so he's one of these power first basemen that can actually hit for some average, too. And, you know, he is 30 and and Alonzo's 31, so they're a little bit more uh, up there. And Bohr, you might think, is younger because he, he hasn't been around that long, but he came up late. He came up at age 26. So I do think it's like a, a little bit of a coin toss between the two, but I think your 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 comments about Alonzo are fair. Here's the, uh, here's the reason I go Bohr over Alonzo, and it's because the Indians are actually good, and how long will they continue to stick with him with Mike Napoli in their minor leagues? Or well, Oh, how did, long? If Alonzo doesn't yeah, get I mean, going, like, okay. Like, like, can they really afford to be throwing out Alonzo, Tyler Naquin, and Bradley Zimmer? Like, can they no. continue to throw out all of these guys who are hitting under two hundred and 
you know. Um, I mean, everyone is right now. The only two that aren't are Brantley, who's only played five games, hitting two thirty-five, and Chisenhall, who only, who's now on the DL, only played seven games, also hitting two thirty-five. Literally, every one of their other starters is one eighty-five or one eighty-eight and under. That's Gomes, Alonzo, Kipnis, Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Bradley Zimmer, and Edwin. I'm not you know, saying his last yeah. name. Apparently, I say it wrong. They've got they've got Napoli at Triple A on a minor league uh, free agent deal. Bobby Bradley in Triple A, uh, who's one of their top prospects. Um, how long will they let? I mean, I know they signed Alonzo to like a two year deal, but sure, um, it was for virtually no money. So like they they can cut bait on that or push him to the bench if they need to. Um, so like to me like Boar's playing time like Boar's gonna play like it doesn't matter like Boar could actually like take a nap in between innings and stuff <laughs> and like the Marlins are like all right now just go That's out right. someone know. wake up Justin he's almost up yeah exactly you know I mean so like I I know Boar is gonna play every day um and you know hit two home runs uh, the other day against the Mets so maybe he's starting to turn things around a little bit uh. So I'm I'm going to take my shot on the guy that I know is guaranteed playing time if things continue to you know struggle for him. Sure, and I I don't think that that playing time aspect uh, point is, is a terrible one to make because I do think Boers is certainly guaranteed. One thing I would just would say, digging deeper on um, Alonzo's stats, I'm not seeing anything to really worry about right now. So I I will I will say I will say that. Um, not to not to really worry too much. Let's see where Alonzo's at, you know, in a couple of weeks, and if he's still hitting low. But the plate skills, the plate profile suggests to me that he's going to be all right. But uh, I think, yeah, I think they're a little bit of a coin flip. You're leaning Bohr, I'm leaning Alonzo. On the deeper league aspect, Colin Moran or the carcass of Adrian Gonzalez. Obviously, I think we're both going to, you know, choose the younger guy who's uh, the prospect who's changed his launch angle and hitting for some punch. But I bring up Adrian Gonzalez on purpose because he's hitting well, so he's going to continue to get playing time. Like they have him, like this is all found money for them. Everything's working well for the Mets right now. A weird sentence to say, um, but it is working out, man. He's two ninety six, four hundred six, four forty four in a tiny thirty two plate appearance sample. But again, he's free. They're literally paying him the league minimum while the Dodgers pay him fat stacks this year. So they can they can afford to just ride it out. And then the second that they realize that, you know, he's not any good or if he goes back to what he was doing last year, they can move on from Adrian Gonzalez. So I do think that there's some viability there for those trying to replace Rizzo in a deeper league. But my guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was that you would choose Moran between the two. And if so, give us some thoughts on Colin Moran. Uh, you know, the more I dig in Adrian Gonzalez, um, I'm almost leading, leaning, leaning that way. Uh, Dude, Adrian Gonzalez was a, a superstar hitter. Like, like, I mean, and he had, he was awful last year for sure. But the year before that, he had a 111, oh, you know, WRC plus with 18 homers. Like, it's, that's not sexy or anything, but we're talking about a short-term replacement anyway. Hitting the ball so, super hard right now. I mean, 47.6 uh, hard hit percentage. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's always been a guy that, you know, doesn't strike out too much, uh, continuing that with a, uh, a strikeout rate of 18.8% and a walk rate of 15.6%. Goodness. I, you know, I mean, Moran is an interesting player, but, uh, like, I don't see him as a guy who's going to hit more than like 15 home runs anyways. It's not a 
great lineup. It's definitely not a very good park. Uh, he's starting off well, but like, if he's an empty batting average guy, like, how interesting is that? Yeah, I I buy a little bit into the power. You buy that the we saw last and... year, yeah. And so I'm seeing more of like the the number that stuck out to me was like 22 homers, uh, something like that. And that's not you know it's not overwhelming, but again, we're talking shorter term replacement. And hey, you bite your tongue on not a very good lineup. They're leading the NL with 6.5 runs per game. Thank you very much. Uh, now, jokes aside, like I do not think this lineup's going to stay as hot as they've been. I talked about how Cleveland has like nobody doing well, and you know everyone's hitting under 200. Literally, everyone in their starting lineup has a better than 100 WRC plus or OPS plus. Usually, that translates to WRC plus as well. They're pretty close, but like Sir Valley's at 100 OPS plus, he could be a little bit lower on the WRC plus. But uh, anyway, even he and Jordy Mercer are up there, but then everybody else is like sky high. Josh Bell, 121. Josh Harrison, 120. Or excuse me, Josh Bell, 129. Harrison, 121. Moran, 151. Dickerson, 165. Marte, 153. And Polanco, 170. So they're obviously playing at, at peak right now. But, uh, you know, I think you can go either way because Adrian Gonzalez is hitting and he's, he's getting some playing time right now. But I would still lean Moran over the if it was a long-term thing. But if you're just replacing Rizzo and you plan to cut whoever this is right when they come back, then I'm I'm fine going Gonzalez. Yeah, I, I think if it's short-term, then, you know, just look at the schedule. I don't have their schedules up in front of me. That's and go, fair, too. Like, That's actually a great call. Like, because just attack. Yeah, just attack, like, who... Uh, who you think has the easier pitching matchups? You know, you know, nicer parks or something like that. Um, Fewer lefties. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, let's say Moran's playing like a couple series, like in Cincinnati and uh, Milwaukee, like that could be something to exploit. Um, uh, or if you know Gonzalez is going to be playing in SunTrust or something like that, that might be something to exploit. Longer term, I probably lean Moran because he's ten years younger. Doesn't have a history of back issues. Um, he was always supposed to have a good hit tool. Just there wasn't yes. supposed to be power with it. And you know, if the swing change gives him a little bit more of a launch angle and a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more of a power stroke, he could be interesting because I think he, at worst, he's going to hit for average. Like I don't think this is a guy who's going to hit two thirty, two forty. This is, you know, I think he's got a pretty safe like two seventy, two eighty batting average floor with some upside to it. I agree with that, and and that's on Colin Moran of mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So take a look at him. You can go either way. So at least you know if you're going to get an Anthony Rizzo injury, first base is is the spot you know to to get an injury if you have to get one. So you should be able to find somebody there that that you can trust in just about every format. Uh, let's move on to performances now and talk about some some guys. Luis Castillo had his best start yet, and yet it was a uh, a baseline quality start, six innings, three runs. The one thing I will say is that um, you know. I didn't recommend Castillo to anybody, so it's not like you're dealing with the bad ERA like on my watch. That's one thing I, I want to you know get outright. Like I barely even know this player, and I, I'm just glad I didn't really like get in the hype machine because I think I heard some people talking about him, and I was like, I don't know, guys. Like he, you know, is he really that good? Like don't get him or anything. So that's how I'm glad that I felt that way about Luis Castillo, and uh, you know, told nobody to ever get. I can't even keep it going. Obviously, I love Luis Castillo. Guys, I'm not going to lie here. I'm 0% deterred by what we've seen so far in terms of my outlook on Luis Castillo. I, I, 
you know, acknowledge that he has a 731 ERA through his first three starts, but the swing and miss is still there. Uh, he's actually walking fewer batters. He does have, you know, giving up a few homers. That was my one concern about how this wouldn't be a breakout season would be if the homers still continued and he's given up two homers in two of his starts. But other than that, I'm really not seeing anything that 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 bothers me. The swinging strike rate has been awesome at 15%. The velo is down a little bit, so that's that's always concerning when it's two ticks from 97.5 to 95.5. But um, I think everything else says that if there is anybody selling, then I'm buying. And I'm reluctant to say sell low or you know buy low because I don't think people are really going to be taking you know scraps for them. But if you can pay market or you know a couple rounds below a player that's a couple rounds below where you where you drafted Castillo, then uh, then I, I would jump in. H- how do you feel about Luis Castillo so far? I'm really really bummed that I that I <laughs> have one share of him in in the Invitational. <laughs> how dare you? Um, Cross league trade. I wish I could. I mean, I oh and I gosh. and I took him. I took him uh, with the hopes that I would be able to package him. With you know a hitter for you know a, a higher pitcher because I just missed out on all the pitching, uh, and just took a shot on what I felt was like a um, a hot commodity. And this is sometimes why you don't draft guys that you plan on trading um, because sometimes you get stuck with them. Um, True. You know, I mean, I think there are uh, some warning flags. The the velo being uh, one of them. The the fastball can be a little bit straight, and if it's not, you know, if if it's down two ticks. Uh, that could be an issue. Um, That's fair. I mean, yeah, like it hasn't been great, right? I'm not going to try to sit here and, and, and tell you guys that Luis Castillo has been awesome. But from everything I'm seeing, I, I'm just not that concerned. And uh, like, I, I, I'll be honest, like I haven't sat down and watched like like a, a full start where I just watch every pitch in succession. Maybe that's something I, I need to do tonight is just sit down and watch every single pitch he's thrown so far. Yeah, why Why wouldn't um, you always do that? You know, it just happens. They're available on the hub, too. Mm-hmm. Phub.com slash Castillo. You find, no, I'm just kidding. I, I do like the fact that he isn't walking, guys. Like, to me, that is, uh, that that is a really good sign that the walk rate is actually lower than it was last year. Uh, you know, the home runs are forgivable uh, because it's such a small sample. Like, I'm not going to start going, you know, get going crazy because he's given up four home runs in his first three starts. Like, that, you know, that sometimes will just happen in spurts. So, uh, especially with the homer nine, like, you see 2.3 and you're like, oh my God. And then two homer free starts. Mm-hmm. Let's say he goes like, 12 innings and, and doesn't allow any more homers then all of a sudden you're talking about like um what would that be let's see here i, I, I can't do math in my head at all it would be like a 1.3 rate which is still high but it would it would shave an entire homer off in two two six inning starts with no homers for luis castillo so yeah i'm always careful not to freak out on the home run rates early on yeah so for me i'm just i i think i'm just kind of in a wait and see approach like I said, swing strike rate is seems fine. Uh, getting getting more swings and misses outside of the zone, uh, you know. So like I think the I think the things that people liked about Luis Castillo coming in are still there. Uh, you know, I just think maybe we as an industry and and as a podcast for that matter uh, got a little bit too hyped on him. It's too early to say that. 
Okay. All right. That's my feeling. He's still getting a fifty percent ground ball tilt, which is nice too. So and getting a little yeah, unlucky like in it. the in the strand rate, you know. So all um, right, let me let me hit you with some names of guys that were taking. You know, I'm gonna go hitters because I, I don't think that there's gonna be like a pitcher for pitcher deal. Somebody was just gonna like sell low on Castillo and give somebody that was taken rounds later. But uh, would you would you trade? Uh, oh wait, I'm trying to say. Well, I'm going to say these hitters. Obviously, you're not a huge Castillo guy, but like, would you take Conforto for Castillo? Yes. Tim Anderson. No. Um, let's see. An injured Justin Turner and ride out the rest of his injury. No. Justin Smoke pick one seventy three. No. Okay. So Conforto, like I get Conforto, because he was drafted way later. He was drafted 179 because of the shoulder, and everyone thought it was going to be like a full month of timeout. And he's already back, so that makes sense, because even looking at his 179 isn't fair. So let me jump up a little bit higher here. Um, Let's see. All these guys are injured. Jesus. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm really glad I wrote that article on um, uh, the Hardball Times about how, like, (laughs) <laughs> the 10 day TL isn't as big of a deal as everybody made it out to be because this year has sucked, and sucked everyone, so far. Everyone is hurt. <laughs> and it's like, oh, really, Justin? Really? Um, okay, check this out, by the way. I, I, I did this. Just when you go and you hit ERA on our leaderboard, it, it sorts it by uh, worst ERA because everything does descending. And I remember asking Dave Cameron a long time ago when I didn't work at Fangraphs, like I was the annoying guy on Twitter. Hey, could you make it so that the leaderboards on ERA and WHIP actually do ascending um, when you click on them instead of having to click twice? Because I have to do two mouse clicks and that's very difficult for me. That's how you get carpal like, tunnel. Exactly. Ex- thank you. And he was like, listen, geek, I don't know how to do any of that. And uh, he blocked me. No, I'm just kidding. But no, he's like, uh, we actually, you know, everything's kind of, it's kind of like an everything uh, one way or the other, like where it's, you know, ascending for everything. Well, or I'm totally fine with it getting sorted by zero wins. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the, the bottom line is when you click it, it goes descending. So I was looking and check this out. These are the guys, again, sorting ERA from highest to lowest that are in the quote unquote top 20, a.k.a. the worst 20. For ERA, McCullers is second, Luis Castillo third, Kevin Gossman sixth, and and it's a range, right? These aren't all aces, but I'm I'm just showing the range of guys that are. These are all guys on my fantasy teams, teams. (laughs) right? So McCullers two, Luis Castillo three, Kevin Gossman sixth, Lucas Giolito nine, Chris Archer ten, Paxton eleven, Ray twelve, Danny Duffy seventeen, and Tanaka nineteen. Picking throw, throw in throw in Alex Wood at twenty one and, and, oh, yeah. and Cole Hamels at twenty two and Quintana at twenty seven. Like ouch. And again, the normal the caveats that we've thrown out every episode here in April apply. It it it's early. But that is that's brutal. That's a large chunk of high end drafted guys. You know, John Lester at thirty, but he, at least he has a like a four forty. This is among qualified starters, by the way. Um all the other guys that you mentioned, the ones that you included too, are five or or worse. So it's like, and yeah, it can change after a couple good starts. But you can some of them. Some of them like aren't as bad as you want to make it, or you want to think it is. You know, 
Lance McCullers has got a 771 ERA. He's got a 242 XFIP. Yeah, one yeah, nightmare a, start a 40, yesterday. A 40% home run to uh, fly ball rate. And a 485 Babbitt. Yeah, so. I don't think either of those are going to hold. I feel yeah. confident in saying that. <laughs> I, like, and, you know. Archer the same way, you know. Uh, um, you know, But then, of course, there are guys like Kevin Gosman who's earned every bit of that. Yeah, he's got a, a 660 ERA, 592 FIP. So they're saying, like, hey, everything he's done. Uh, the XFIP's down at 409. But that neutralizes the homers. But with somebody like Kevin Gossman and, like, even my boy Masahiro Tanaka, I don't think XFIP's very useful because there's no reason to believe that they're going to have league average home run rates. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, super early. But when you see something like this, like, like just as your general thoughts on the pitching landscape right now, because Chris Liss and, and Jeff Erickson have been hitting on this on their uh, SiriusXM show about how it seems that you know finding the hitters on the waiver wire is is kind of the way to go. Find, the pitchers have been more difficult with the home run era and making streaming more difficult, which I, I anecdotally I completely agree with because you know with the way the ball is flying out, uh, it's pretty easy to have a bad start if you give up two homers. Um, if, especially if anybody's on during that. So what, what what are your general thoughts on the pitching landscape right now? And even though we are only on April 12th, are you changing anything? To Are you are you adjusting in any way right now, or are you just still kind of riding it out with the same game plan you had coming in? Yeah, I'm still riding it out um, with the same game plan. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm just amazing, but uh, <laughs> my, my, my streaming picks over on the Roto Write-Up have actually been fantastic this year. Well, there um, you go. Another so, reason to read the Roto write And I did really well with it last year, which I think, you know, not to, you know, not to like, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but yes, you. I think you can't, if you are smart and you look for good matchups, uh, especially early on this season when... You're seeing a lot of the studs pitching on the same day and the really crappy pictures pitching on the same day. Like you can take advantage of the Zach Wheelers going to Miami, you Worst. know. And by the way, um, you know, and like people really questioned that one because you know I said like he looked good in spring training, and again this is you know spring training just like early part of the season. Look for the actual. Don't look at the results. Like look at how someone pitches. Look at so how people are commanding their stuff if they're hitting their spots. Because Zach Wheeler actually looked pretty good in spring training, even though the numbers weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came out, you know, yesterday and and just blew the Marlins away. Um, and so, I think you can stream. I and I don't think you should worry about a lot of these uh, these early season starts. I really don't even look at my my standings outside to troll people in my leagues um, until Same. like the end of April, early May. Like I don't care who's in first or second um, unless I'm just trying to get my buddy shit. Yeah, I go directly to my lineup page. I focus on that, and I don't even always know the standings in my league. I'm I'm so serious because I'm I'm just like. I'm certainly not going to be managing the team based on the standings right now, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not making moves because I'm low in steals or anything. So I'm with you there. And, you know, um, this is the time to watch games. Like, watch what is happening. Yes. Yes. You Get know. as much game. And obviously, not everyone 
has the ability to sit around and watch a ton of games. They have condensed games though on on MLB.tv, and they're they're very helpful to at least get a feel of what a pitcher is doing. Uh, I highly recommend watching as much as you can, especially if you have a question about somebody. Put some eyes on it and see what's what. So if you're using, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more with the next guy because I'm going to rant a little bit here. But if you, you if you're uh, if you're using a week's worth of numbers to prove or disprove something, you're doing it wrong. You have a yes. bad process. If you have if you're taking wins and losses on guys you you hyped or were against, right now you're an idiot. Like stop. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you know that um, how many people like pounded their chest on Ian Happ. And it's one thing to like celebrate when a guy that you like does something. That's okay. But when you say like, ah, I knew he was going to be good this year. Oh, did you? And he hit because he hit a home run on on the opening pitch of the season, and now he has a fifty percent strikeout rate. Like, don't don't take wins and losses. So let's transition over to uh, the best shortstop in the league, <laughs> bar none, I would say, especially with Xander Bogarts going out maybe it's dd maybe it's an alnl thing but dance swanson is just he's like too elite you know I, I you know they talk about like oh trout needs another league that guy's whatever he's old news dansby swanson needs an extra league because he's too good for the majors he's awesome he's hitting 348 it's an unimpeachable uh stat line <laughs> no you're obviously you're getting heat because uh you clowned him last year and you didn't have any love for him this year why you know why would you after last year um and people trying to take victory victory laps on you, and that's so weird. Like he might end up having a solid season, and then if if it's clear, like in July, that he's been hitting well, and then as we even get further in August, September, and he's putting up a good year, then yeah, like give Justin hell. I fully encourage that. But right now, you're just dying to get egg on your face for then when he has a one for thirty five, and Justin pulls that up and and retweets all the clowns who are are trolling him on Dansby Swanson. So. I'll, I'll I'll let you go here. What what kind of heat are you getting, and and how stupid has it been? It's been ridiculous. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I know it's all in you know good fun and stuff like that. But at the same time, like like what I just said a second ago. Like, if you are claiming victory or uh, on a guy's week's worth of stats when part of that you know week of stats was playing in Colorado. Uh, you're doing something wrong. And, like, you know, there hasn't been some, like, amazing change in Dansby Swanson's profile. And, really, a lot of the numbers are right in line with exactly with what he did last year, except for the fact he's not hitting the ball as hard as he did last year. So, like, he's getting, like, he's got a 429. right? No, his, his hard hit percentage is down to 22% from 29%. Like... That's the major change, aside from the fact that he has a 429 BABIP. Like, where's That'll the last. major... What are you talking about, dude? Come on. You know, he's putting the ball in the air. Okay, that's resulted in one home run so far. So, like, what... Like, that, that that's not really doing much, He, you know, and it happened and in like, Colorado. And the thing of it is, it... <sighs> it's one of those things where it's like 29% fly ball rate up to 37% this year. That's only an eight percentage point change. That can change on a dime. Still, like we're not even close to a stabilization on that. It's just, you know, I mean, this is one of those confirmation bias type things. People who who loved Dansby Swanson last year 
and paid seventeen, eighteen dollars for him, uh, you know, in auctions or, or took him in the top hundred and about, you know, twenty, hundred and fifty picks last year, are going, Oh, I was just a year early. Look what he's doing. Like dude has played eleven games this year. Like, can we please uh, Mike Gianella over at Baseball's Perspectives, you know, and I know like BP's one of our quote unquote competitors, but um, he, he, you know, he wrote a great article today, which is like what what it would look like if we did in real life what we do in fantasy baseball in April. You know, oh, that's that sounds like a great idea. Because... Like, like there's a whole section about like you know you're at your table at a restaurant and you get an appetizer and you start screaming at the waiter because <laughs> your your dish is is smaller than the dish next to you, even though someone else is eating their entree. You try to start yelling, seeing if anybody wants to trade your their larger dish for your smaller one. It's it's that's a really funny. fantastic piece, um, and just kind of shows the absurdity of like passing complete judgments based on oh, 10 days worth of numbers. Um, you know, and like, don't get me wrong. Like there are going to be times where we start, we, we look at something and we go, Oh, maybe I was wrong on this. You know, I've, I've already said that on uh, Ronaldo Lopez, like actually sitting down and watching his starts, but it's because I sat down and watched his starts. Like mm-hmm. I'm not taking a week's worth of his numbers. Like I sat down and watched his first two starts you know, every single pitch and went, okay, this guy is showing me something different than he did in previous seasons. Um, Danzy Sponson isn't doing anything differently. He's getting a little bit lucky and he's started off the season hot. I remember he ended, you know, the 2016 season hot and everybody bought in last year and was wrong. So I, I, I'm not eating crow now, you know, you want to come back and talk to me in July if he's still hitting 300. Okay. By all means, exactly. Like, but just wait. You're just gonna look stupid on a lot of these if you start. That being said, Kyle th- Gibson is the best pitcher alive. Whew. Oh my god! Sorry, you can't. Sorry. You, I mean, you can't even say that though because he just got his face caved in. He's so crappy. Sweet one sixty four whip. <laughs> Sweet fifteen percent walk rate. God. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I completely agree on the Dansby stuff and, and the global points uh, related to it. But best first baseman in the world is definitely Hanley Ramirez, um, unrelated to the conversation we just had. Two homers and three stolen bases. Yo, he did say he was going to go for 30-30 this year. Listen. On um, pace for it. I think we all know he's not going to go for 30-30. But How if he's healthy. I, I know. What, what a doubting piece of garbage I am. But uh, let's 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 sprinkle some health, and let's say that he's going to play 140 games. That would be a, a modicum of health for you know a reasonable uh, outcome of health for Hanley Ramirez. Can he go like 25-12, or do you think this is just a, a running spree early that uh, that fades for Hanley Ramirez? How, how do you feel about him with his three stolen bases, three for three? By the way, not getting caught, too shifty on the bases. I I mean I don't know why he couldn't like I don't know why he couldn't duplicate what we saw in 2016 when he hit 30 home runs and stole nine bases so add a few yeah. more stolen bases like he could legitimately do a 30 12 season oh that'd be so nice I love Hanley I he's, do too and I actually have healthy, a lot of so shares. good so good and he was so cheap because he was util only and people didn't want to block that and like I get it. But for he was me, a bench so, bat, anyways. Like, what did it matter? Like, what his 
eligibility is. That's that's a great call. And you knew he was going to get first base. And not only that, like for me with somebody like Hanley, it's just so obvious that when he's when when he's healthy, he's such he's such a good hitter. And yeah, we didn't know what the health is going to be, and we still don't. Like you can't reasonably say, oh, I'm guaranteed even you know 550 plate appearances, let alone 600 plus on anything. But you take it, you take that shot late and say, hey, this is a guy who's got a great bat. I think it could work. So, would you go out and buy Hanley? No. I mean, unless someone is. Let's find some pictures here and see. Let's put you to the test. I mean, unless someone well, is like, like really like, oh, this is going to end really quickly, and they're they're giving him away. You know, he went around pick five hundred. So, like, it, maybe I'm giving up like a pitcher I gave. You know, took in the top or just outside of the top three hundred. Or you know, I mean. Well, for uh, Marco Estrada. No. Matt Harvey. Ooh. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because both people are buying somebody that is, you know, could could be great. Could legitimately be great, right? You give health to either of them, it's not in, difficult to envision a really strong fantasy season from Matt Harvey or Hanley Ramirez. Uh, I'm going to say I would I would take Hanley. Okay, Mike Fultonevich. Yes, I'd take Hanley. Okay, um, let's see here. A little bit of a deeper league to where this guy still has value, even though he's not a starter, more of a swingman type. Brad Peacock? No, I want Peacock. Okay. Um, DL guy, so you're kind of taking the risk, but the upside could be substantial. Danny Salazar? Ooh. Um, in a 10 or 12 team league, give me Salazar and anything deeper. Give me Hanley. I think I agree with that. I, I still love Salazar's talent. I do so too, I'm, but there's I'm like no, like, and it also depends. Like, do I have any DL spots? Do I have things yes. like that? All that would matter. Uh, but like the upside, like Danny Salazar could be a top 15 pitcher if he could just stay on the field. Oh, certainly. And, and at least for a run, too, right? If you get mm-hmm. like a, a, a two-and-a-half-month run where he's a top 25 or better type of pitcher, that could be worth more than anything Hanley can give you, especially because of where you drafted Hanley. Like you said, you might not even be really necessarily needing him. You've got kind of some some extra found money here that you could turn around and maybe turn it into something. You know, I talked about how pitching can be tough. If you got several names on that uh, ERA list I mentioned, maybe you go out and speculate on something like that to try to strike it rich. I don't know. But I think there's options. Um, if you are selling Hanley, don't don't get punked. I, I think you can reasonably ask for something pretty solid on the pitching front there. Which that, means you're that not going to get upside. it. Like that, I mean, yeah. like, let's, For the most part, you're if not. If you have Hanley, you're riding this out. Like um, That's generally the right because selling high is difficult so the 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 general um notion is to say just write it out because why not yeah okay let's move on to jake jacob junis um he goes by jake junis but he's jacob on the website jacob with a k 14 scoreless innings so far getting some fantasy buzz had a little fantasy buzz early on uh you know or uh, actually late in draft season early into the regular season um, I was looking at fours and fives, like back end of the rotation guys, and mentioned him as somebody that uh, that had some intrigue. I remember watching him against the Tigers last year in a couple starts, and you know, solid if unspectacular, like not not uh, not over the top, but 
definitely goes out there and 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 pitches. He's he's a, he's a pitcher because he doesn't have overwhelming stuff, so he needs to uh, uh, be more crafty. I think. Again, 14 scoreless innings, not amazing skills behind it. 18% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. You like the walk rate. But uh, where, where are you at on Jake Junis, 25-year-old for the Royals? Uh, are you buying in here on the on the hype train that's starting to gain some steam, or are you, are you passing? I'm passing. And, like, if I've got Jake Junis, I'm trying to sell him right now. And okay. it's not that I think he's a bad pitcher. I actually think he, especially in, like, your deeper formats, he could be fairly useful there's no strikeouts and it's a really really bad team so there's no win so now you know a player that's supposed to help you compete in four categories can only help you compete in potentially two of them yeah i mean it's it's tough right because yeah the wins are just statistically going to be tough to come by because that's a bad team and sub 20 percent strikeout rate is tough and nothing to suggest that more strikeouts are coming as a nine percent swinging strike rate he's at the strikeout rate he should have this is jake junis we're talking about this is what he is and like that's it's okay and like this is one of those guys that like you know if you've got him as your number five or six starter you're pretty stoked but like if someone thinks that he's going to take a jump up and is willing to offer you um, you know, a hitter or another pitcher in that sphere, uh, I'm taking it. Let's do some pitcher comparisons, um, not necessarily for a trade, just just who would you rather have, and then we can do some uh, hitter talk about who you might trade for. Here's one. This is really interesting to me because completely different player type, pitcher type here. Josh Hader or Jake Junis, who would you rather have? Uh, assuming the, the depth of league here, right, where, where Josh Hader – has value and Jake Junis is obviously on a roster. So that I think that that's built into the question, but I want to state it explicitly in case anyone's like, well, I went and picked up Josh Hader in my 10 team. It's like, well, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, you, you shouldn't get Junis either. Yeah. I was just about to say like Junis really, really. I mean, I guess he is technically 10 team viable. Um, but really, yeah, we're thinking like 15 team slash in a 15 team uh, league. I, I think I want, Oh God, I really don't know. Like I, it, it's it's team construct. It's like if you need safety, you take in Junis. If you need some strikeouts and some upside, like H- Hader is unreal right now. Like, like he's got a sixty point seven per uh, strikeout percentage. <laughs> Seventeen strikeouts on twenty eight batters. It's been I mean, absolutely bananas. It's you know, and like he's twenty one point three strike uh, swinging strike percentage. Um, you know, he's getting swings and misses out of the zone, but he's mostly getting the swings and misses in the zone. Like, oh, yeah, people just, just can't touch him. And he doesn't do it with overwhelming stuff necessarily. Uh, just the slider's great. You know, the fastball like, is good so- enough to, you know, keep people off balance. Yeah, solid, what, solid like mid 90s fastball at, at the peak. Yeah, it's like 93, I want to say. Yeah. So it's like you know he's good. I, I I think I would, I think I would take Hater. I'll take the strikeouts over the volume. But it, it, that's fair to say that like the the team construct definitely matters. Like if you need the volume uh, and potentially solid ratios, I do think um, Junis's whip should be solid. But I think I'm going to lean Hater. What like, about this could go uh, really badly in a quick minute for Hater though. That that's your that's the he pitches in Milwaukee. Uh, it's the it's central. 
Um, like this, you know, it's extremely small sample size stuff. It's, it's seven and two thirds innings over five games. Like this could go really bad in a hurry. Um, but like, why not ride it? Well, it's not because like, why isn't he closing with the mess that's going on in they, the Milwaukee? They want him in, they want him as the Andrew Miller role though. And, and I think that that's still the right have move. enough lefty in the pen. I mean, like they have another lefty, right? Who's. Well, I don't even know if it's necessarily about the lefty aspect. It's because they he's just, their best reliever, oh. and they want to deploy him when they can. And I don't know and if he, they have he, another lefty. Like, and don't get me wrong. Like, that is, from a statistical standpoint and a saber, sabermetric standpoint, like, that is what you should be doing. Yeah. They have Dan Jennings. At the same the time, like, the other lefty. if the most important part of the game is the ninth inning, don't be afraid to use him there. Well, like, they've I blown, they like, will. three saves, like... Because well, he'd already pitched. Yeah, uh, no, no. Okay. He, Is that what it that, was? That's fair. Like he, he'd already been deployed earlier in the game to get him to that point. Um, no, I don't think you're out of bounds on that. I do think that when the situation comes up, if it is the the ninth uh, inning or I love even, the like, Brewers roster inning, research page, <laughs> roster resource page right now. It's bloody. <laughs> like it's bloody. the bullpen is uh, closer. Jacob Barnes, closer Josh Hader, closer my, <laughs> Matt Albies. Matt Albies. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, it's pretty hilarious. With Jeremy <laughs> Jeffers right there going, hey, guys, what about me? Guys, I, I used to close I, games. I've closed before. I've closed before. Anybody want to hit this weed? Um, I've got a quick rank them then to, to close up on, on Junis. Rank Junis, your boyfriend Kyle Gibson, your boyfriend Chris Stratton. Do they know about each other, by the way? And Reynaldo Lopez. Gibson, Lopez, Stratton, Junis. Okay, so you're not super high on the on the Junis train. One more, Tyler Skaggs. Do you prefer Skaggs or Junis? Skaggs. Okay, and then I just don't see the upside in a guy who can't get me wins and can't get me strikeouts. Like he's he's you know maybe if you're pairing him with a high strikeout, high volatile guy, but like I don't know, just. It's an AL only profile, which is you know great in AL only because he does really stabilize your your ratios. Um, but like in your mixed leagues, like I don't I don't want guys like that. I want guys who have some upside. Deeper league formats, obviously. Would you trade Jake Junis for Matt Davidson? No. For Heimer Candelario of the Tigers? No. Would you trade him for? Let's move up then. Um, Cattell Marte. Uh, I want Marte there for sure. Would you trade Junis? Let's say you you got Junis late. Your pitching's fine, so you really are just trading. A, a, a you know some found money pitcher. Would you trade him for Willie Calhoun and wait on Calhoun? Yes. Okay, I think I would too. Uh, last one, Starlin Castro. God, that that Miami lineup is just so bad, and I, and I love Starling Castro. Like I felt like Starling Castro was like super underrated the last couple years, but agreed. agreed. That park is awful for him in terms of his power production and the players around him in terms of his run production. I think I'm, I think I'm holding. No, no, I'm gonna take Castro. It's really hard, but yeah, because obviously in these scenarios, uh, you know, you wouldn't 
just trade cat for Castro blindly, you would need him in some sort of, you know, to replace Rignet Odor or, you know, Andrews or something for your middle. Like that that that's what we're saying here. The context fits. So I'm not just gonna say, well, if I needed him, because that's obviously why you would do it. Yeah, I think I would take Castro as well. Um he's walking, which is interesting for him. I think I like Junis a a, a scotch more than you, but uh not to a level where I'm I'm going bananas because I am a strikeout whore. And uh, he just doesn't have them, nor do I see a path to really getting more. So uh, don't go crazy here. And you can definitely float Junis out there. You're not going to get some big return. But if you can get a piece that helps, maybe you want to do that. I, right, I'm not a, I'm, I just want to comment on like on, on cash real quick because I'm looking at his numbers. I, I've never been like a, like a lineup protection guy. Like I've never been a big buyer of that. Same. But the Marlins are so bad that like uh, – that Castro has a third of the amount of walks as he did all of last season. Oh wow! So they're just he making tw- it so obvious. He had twenty three walks with the Yankees in a full season last year. He's got seven already this year. Holy crap! Wow. No, I guess they he don't... didn't have a full season last year because he only played one hundred twelve games. But still, okay. But still, your your point holds is that it's a five percent. He had twenty four walks in two thousand sixteen when he played one hundred fifty one games. He's never been Starlin Cash was never been somebody who walks, and now they're saying we're not going to mess with you. You're one of the competent hitters, one of the few in this lineup. So that's how the... bad that lineup is. Maybe maybe a weird. Uh, turn of uh of value for castro into like an obp value that'd be kind of crazy huh <laughs> brian anderson by the way has nine walks on that team he's got a 436 obp right now that's crazy all right let's finish up talking about two superstars well one who was drafted like a superstar one who's actually put up superstar performances that are both struggling uh byron buxton off to a terrible start weird i know this is not a recording this is a, a new year this is 2018 um you would think that it's from any start to any season that Buxton's been in, but I mean, just looks so lost at the dish yet again, and he's so frustrating. <laughs> now I don't have him anywhere because I wasn't paying that premium. But uh, how do you feel about Buxton? Do you have any shares for one and for two? Like again, with all the caveats we've already put out there on small sample, whatever. Let's let's. I think I have one share, and I'm actually trying to see because I'm pretty sure it's in my NFBC league or one of my NFBC leagues. And oh, I I don't know what you do with him. Um, you, I mean, you you ride it out like for sure. Like you just you know you just throw him on your bench uh, or on your reserve list, uh, or if you have to start him, you start him. He's gonna play every day because like the defense is like. Like I didn't think the defense could get better, but like the plays he makes out in center field are are just ridiculous, and so he's gonna play uh, pretty much every day because they're not going to like give away that center field defense, that Gold Glove defense that he has. Uh, but dude has a two hundred five on base percentage. Like that is so bad, dude. Oh my god, twenty eight percent strikeout rate, three percent walk rate. And, you know, even accounting for a hot game can, can flip those a little bit. It's, th- that's a, a, such a crappy point that it's not really going to be flipped that quickly. Like, those are both on the, on, the, on the edge of awfulness to where he needs a few games to get going. I, I don't know. It's just same old story. And, yeah, he's just 24, and we see Buxton catch fire, and he looks like one of the best players in the game. 
but I'm just kind of over it, man. And as somebody who started to come around a little bit more and say, okay, there's a little bit more to that second half surge than than just the schedule. He did make some some changes that I thought were uh, uh, you know something that you could buy into. But then the market was just so high on on Byron Buxton that even with a you know coming around a little bit on my my hard firm stance on not wanting him at all, I still couldn't really relent and get any shares because he was going he was going over my boy. I think he was even going over my boy Albies, and at that point, I was just going to take Albies. Yeah, he was going like 25 picks higher than Albies at least, if not more. It's like two, two and a half, three rounds. Um, I'll just, I would rather take Albies. Obviously, they don't play the same position, but they're power speed guys. Um, I don't think you can trade them unless you're in a league with Chris wow. Liss, who, who will overpay. Otherwise, someone's going to be trying to get a discount on you, and you don't want to sell off your uh, fourth round pick for you know a ninth rounder. Two weeks into the season, right? So you just have to ride it out on Byron Buxton. Yeah, I mean, there's not much. You, I do have him in NFBC, of course. The league I can't trade him in, uh, um, of course. And I've got so many injuries on that that 50 round draft and hold team that he must start. That uh, yeah, it's either him or Philip Irvin. <laughs> yeah, even that I would just still keep starting Buxton. So yeah, that's, yeah that's you're just kind of stuck. You know, we'll, we'll we'll take a look at him again in a couple weeks, see if there's been improvement, I, but. I think part of it, like he's just not being patient. Good. Like he's he's swinging he he's swinging outside of the zone thirty nine percent of the time, <laughs> which even for so he, him is, is bad. Like I mean he's like a, he's been a thirty one, thirty two, thirty three percent guy in his career at the majors, and he's just he's one he's swinging too much. He's swinging fifty seven percent of the time, up from forty eight point three percent last year. But he's really just swinging outside of the zone way too often. Yeah, I, I I think they need to figure something out there, and they've been batting him lower, seventh and eighth for Byron Buxton, so that they you know don't have that pressure on him. They put him like third to start last year. You know, you're in the heart of the order. You're trying to hit a five run homer every time up. But even at the bottom of the lineup right now, he's struggling. So. Yeah, I don't want to go confirmation bias and be like, oh, I knew it, because like I said, I even kind of relented a little bit on my on on my negative stance, but I'm just I got to see something from this guy because I'm just tired of hearing about the hype. All right, let's finish with Francisco Lindor. Um, he's oh, sorry, sixty three percent ground ball percentage. So he's flailing. This is Buxton, right? Yeah, flailing eighteen percent fly ball percentage, making garbage contact and hitting it on the ground. That's a bad rest and and striking out if he does if he doesn't uh, ground ball it basically. Yeah, That's this rough. is. I will say only seven percent soft contact rate. So he's hitting mostly medium. So it's like mostly like he's closing his strong. eyes and swinging as hard as he yeah. can is what yep. it feels like. No, like, absolutely, absolutely. Like they just need to tell him, hey, um, just just take a pitch. Just like you, you cannot swing, you're yeah, allowed. Like wait new for your pitch. Like you now, know, you know what? I figured it out. Rob Manfred got to him. It's a pace of play initiative. Mm. Uh, he's, Twins he's, games he's, were going too long. Yep, he's he's kind of a, a test case. This is like a beta to see how you know how much swinging at literally every pitch can can help speed up the game. So that's that's it. That that explains all of it. Uh, Byron Buxton's just trying to help the the game globally. <laughs> uh, Francisco Lindor. You know, off to a, to a weak start as well. Um, 
184, 245, 224, triple slash, which is trash. 22% strikeout rate up from 13% last year. Walk rate holding mostly steady down from uh, 8 to 7. We'll just call that a wash. Nothing crazy there. Um, he's swinging out of the zone more, but negligible. It's a three percentage point change. I don't really see a lot there, but he's making a lot less contact from 86% to 74. Um, doubled his swinging strike rate. I wonder if he's still going for that power and and not connecting. Now, the, the fly ball rate has come down from 42 to 31%, but the uh, line drive rate's way up, so the ground ball rate's basically the same on, on Lindor. A, a lot of just bleh in, in his in his profile. Nothing that has me freaking out, but I am wondering, because I thought maybe the power would come down a little bit in, in lieu of some average, maybe hit like 26 homers, but hit 285 again. Um, but where are you on Francisco Lindor right now? I'm looking up his uh, his his numbers on Baseball Savant right now and seeing if there's anything that really stands out to me in terms of his stat cast or yeah stat cast data. Um, who? Because I mean, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Uh, he's to me, it seems like he's doing, I think, a little bit of what you were saying in terms of he's trying to just kill kill some balls. Yes. Um, because he's get, trying to get he's, that first he's pulling it almost 50% of the time. Like, this is a guy who's trying, again, trying to hit a three-run or a six-run home run every time he's up. And uh, I, he and Ramirez for a while have, were doing that, like, because Jose Ramirez is off to a pretty brutal start with a weird – He's also getting really field. unlucky on on balls in play. Two four, you don't think two forty three Babbitt? You don't think a two forty three is going to hold for a guy with his speed? No. Yeah, like, like and, the and, bottom I mean, line is, tool. like to me, like he's he's just not finding holes. He's you know he's trying to pull the ball and uh, he's not being pitched differently in the same way like Jose Ramirez uh, had been earlier or early really early on in the season, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I, I I'm not worried about guys like this. Like he's gonna hit zero, his way out of it. Zero concern. And you know, if he was available on the market, I'll pay. I'll pay the full rate. You know, I'll pay. You know, it's second rounder. I'll pay something that's comparable to that. I'm not worried. I would get Lindor. I don't even think he's available for trade. But I'm just saying, if he were, sign me up. I just want to bring him up because he has been been sputtering. And and we talked about Jose Ramirez. And like I said, that offense has been a nightmare. So I just wanted to bring Lindor up. But yeah, not worried about him. More worried about uh, Buxton than I am than I am Lindor. Again, the bottom line, guys, that we've stressed this whole episode is, and and throughout April so far, is to just be careful. Do not make rash decisions based on these first uh, couple of weeks here, and really dig into the profile so you know what they're actually doing, as opposed to um, just going off of the triple slash or the fantasy numbers and saying, "Well, you know, he doesn't have any homers yet, so he's garbage." Don't panic. Don't panic. Like, be active on the wire. Churn some back end roster spots, but do not panic with your established stars. They need time. Um, not everyone gets to come out of the gate firing like uh, like Didi Gregorius. So, uh, I think that's going to do it, Justin. I appreciate uh, appreciate the good talk today. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully, help some folks. Um, sorry that Dansby Swanson's the best player in the world and, and made you look foolish. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Um, I'm glad we've already gotten the. Uh, the plaque for for his induction um 
or you know, his bust for the induction into the Hall of Fame. You worked on that, right? It was weird because you don't work at the Hall of Fame, but for some reason they made you work on the plaque. Yeah, well, I mean, the entire the entire staff at the Hall of Fame had to get drunk, so I had to uh, <laughs> I I had to do some counseling. Uh, <laughs> That's really funny. Um, by the way, I'm gonna be doing a solo pod tomorrow, and I'm I'm. If you guys know this guy, this music critic named Anthony Fantano, um, he does this thing called Let's Argue, and he says, welcoming all hot takes, unpopular opinions, and tough questions. Best ones will be responded to in a future segment. Go look at my pinned tweet. You can see an episode. He does it for music. I'm ready to do it for baseball. Tweet me. Reply to that tweet with, with, your, with your hot takes. And, and your I got one in things. there. Uh, exactly. Uh, and and yours will definitely make it. And and this is the stuff that you believe in. Don't just say some dumb crap. I'll see right through it if you're just trying to be funny or or you know th- think that think that you're great. Like Justin put up a great one here that I'm gonna obliterate because it's 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 terrible. It's so dumb. It's not even uh, it's not even worth addressing here. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna address it. I'm gonna address it. I just like and that and and that, that that is of all time. Like not just wow. We're we're not just talking Such about like currently. Mix. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah. So tweet, tweet your, tweet your uh, hot takes, and you know the the stuff that your friends clown you for that you hold firm in in your belief that this player is better than that player, even though nothing really shows it or whatever. You think some big thing's going to happen this year, and I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do a solo pod re- responding to a bunch of those. Uh, Justin debuted his chat this week, and it'll be every Tuesday at noon Eastern. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And I got I got to really figure out. Like I, I think it went fairly well. I got to the majority of the questions that were asked. When I think about ninety minutes, uh, it'll go longer in the summer, like when my kid's not at school and I actually get a little bit of sleep and stuff. Um, so, uh, uh, but uh, man, people got to stop asking the same question over and over and over again. And just let me get to it, because dude, I um, yeah, I yell at them. Like I, I put it early too. I'm like, don't repeat questions, and I will put people on blast that repeat questions don't like don't do it it's so annoying like it's a cue y'all and we're gonna get to it as quickly as we can but like you putting your question in twice does not help anything in fact if i see it as i'm like scrolling through because i don't just go directly in order sometimes i scroll down if i ask somebody to like put some context for a question i'll go down to see if they responded but like don't be that person. I will definitely, if I see it, I will definitely ignore your question and or roast you for for posting it twice. So don't do that. Please. Yeah, see, I, I just went in order. I, I just went in order. So I just need to start roasting people. Yeah, um, I mean, that's always the answer in life is yeah. to just start roasting people. So yeah, I would I would but definitely no do that. Such thing as stupid questions, just stupid people. Just stupid, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, don't do that. So every Tuesday for Justin, Fridays for me, mine will be tomorrow, so I'll be doing the podcast, uh, solo podcast. We're getting together this weekend with Jason too, right? That's right. We'll be together with Colette for, for one. So you're getting three in a, in a condensed time, so that's nice. And then you and I will be back next week. Uh, mostly Thursday is going to be our episode, and then I think we're going to get a guest lined up for next week, but I'll let you know about Sweet. that in the future. Uh, all right, Justin, great talking with you, and I hope you have a good weekend. I'll talk to you later. 